0: Thank you for joining us. This is Paul Wilson. And Chris Emke. You're listening to the Diesel Performance Podcast. we got a couple of special guests on the show today. Uh, you might recognize their show. It kicked off on Discovery Channel back in January of 2016. In just three short seasons, they've already produced 28 shows. We have Heavy D and Diesel Dave on the line. How the hell are you guys?
1: What's going on, man? That's a, that's a hell of a way to start it off. I like that. That's the best, <laughs> best podcast intro yeah. I've ever had. <laughs> How are you? Guys, we're, we're so We're doing ex- good, man we're happy to be here. This is uh, obviously our audience and our people and you know, uh sometimes we're doing interviews with Hollywood reporter and extra tv and people that don't necessarily talk trucks. So this is refreshing.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Glad we could be a part of it. <laughs> Absolutely. We definitely appreciate you guys carving out some time uh, for our listeners. I know you guys have really blown up over the last few years here. Uh, We here at the office have been watching everything you guys have produced. So it's it's exciting to have you on. And I think our fans will love to kind of get a little bit of an inside look where there's not a bunch of cameras and a bunch of post-production and things like that. Like, but you know we we publish what we record right so uh i think it'll be fun to kind of get us started if you guys could tell us a little bit about back in just maybe your youtube days what was it like starting out like why did you guys start producing the videos of the smokeouts and the funny videos with each other's and things like that like where did this all begin
1: you know we began this as enthusiasts we were just guys that obviously um you know our our core business back then was just a truck dealership buying and selling trucks we do a little bit of uh Refurbishing on them here and there. Uh, but those videos that you saw in the early days, and when I say early days, I'm talking 2012 through 2013, um, you know, that stuff where the smoke out videos, a lot of that stuff was really, it, it was not done on a company level. It was never like a, a corporate meeting, sit down, hey, let's come up with a funny video. It was, you know, Diesel Dave and I back in the shop saying, hey, it'd be hilarious if we did this prank or did that. Um, and so, you know, we, we did that stuff and it was awesome. It was good, you know, timing and, and the way that it, uh hit social media at that exact time worked out really well. Um obviously not something that we could do uh or really have the desire to do these days simply because the you know that was we didn't have any eyeballs. So when you right. when you're doing pranks and stuff like that and you know I don't want to I don't want to sit here and try to repent of past sins but <laughs> smoking out and and that kind of stuff is not something that we were ever terribly interested in. There was a couple instances where it was funny and it made sense in the videos. But, uh, you know, we couldn't get away with that stuff now because we have so many eyeballs on us, and we would never expected that many people to watch it back in the day. So it was obviously, you know, bittersweet for us. It helped us build the business, helped us get a lot of traction and traffic, and Jay Leno wanted it down on his show. Um, But there's also, you know, there's those regrets that we have, wishing that with that early attention we had, we were able to explain that, We weren't just a bunch of guys out blowing smoke uh, because that's exactly what it looked like.
0: Well, I mean, to someone from the outside looking in and looking at diesel performance as a whole or just the industry and they see a video like that, like you said, there are eyeballs, eyeballs that aren't necessarily. Are you there? you with us? We we are. Yeah. Can you hear us?
1: Yep. I got you.
0: Perfect. Should I keep? Go ahead, Chris. So there are a lot of eyeballs on you from people that aren't necessarily in the diesel world. You know, people that are outside looking uh, in.
1: Can't hear who's ever talking.
2: Paul,
0: <laughs> sorry guys, we got a few technical difficulties here. Uh, don't worry, Chris, we'll get you live on the mic. What what I think Chris is going at here is is Chris is trying to drive in on like back then when there were no no eyes, or even now when there are, the videos are still funny. I mean, they still hold up. You know, it's not like but like they weren't funny. Like you said, they had great timing. They were hilarious pranks. Diesel Dave, we caught you at the center of most of the pranks back in the day. Uh, Are we to to assume that you are usually the generator of uh, uh, bad ideas or great ideas, depending on who we're asking?
2: I mean, I have a lot of help in that category. There's a cheap troublemaker around here that's actually sitting next to me. But he instigates the best in me, I would
1: say. And that's where the pranks usually come from. (laughs) I think the difference is Diesel Dave is really good at execution. I'm really good at taking everything way too far. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, our, our our pranks uh, have a tendency to, you know, uh, you go too far sometimes. But that's what makes a good prank, I think. So Diesel Dave does a really good job. I don't think he would necessarily take take the pranks as far, far as we do sometimes if he didn't have a little, uh, you know, somebody whispering in his ear saying, "Let's let's go hard."
0: I'd say a good example of that might have been the cab over uh, with the paintball guns.
2: Exactly, the one I'm thinking of. <laughs> Very good example. One where my friend
1: walked around with a stiff neck for the next three weeks. Oh. <laughs> uh, yeah, it was, I mean, that that kind of stuff was hilarious, and that was not, like I said, back in the day, it wasn't done on a corporate level. It was just a bunch of guys having a good time, and we thought, hey, if we record this prank and it turns out funny, maybe it'll do well on YouTube, maybe it'll do well online. Yeah. Um, but, you, you know, anytime you go try to make a viral video, you're not going to make a viral video. It's when you least expect it that it's going to happen.
0: <laughs> so true. So true. How has that impacted, like, your guys' current marketing plan? Because you guys are still doing diesel sellers. And and I want to get in into the, the truck giveaways because I think that's one of the things that's been really, really cool that you guys have done. But how how does, like that kind of humor or how does that really impact your current marketing plan for diesel sellers? Like, are you guys still going to be producing prank videos in the future? or Is that really just reserved for the show now?
1: You know, that's a good question. Um, filming a TV show takes a lot of time and attention. Um, and it, it sucks up a lot of our bandwidth. So anything that we do, uh, with our time, we try to make sure that it crosses over all platforms, including the TV show, social media, all that kinds of stuff. So, the days of us just kind of like hanging out with, with not as much to do and cranking out a, a funny prank video here and there and putting it on YouTube, um, I don't want to say they're behind us. I just want to say that they're fewer and much further between than than they used to be. Uh, but, you know, that's what we love to do, though. The, the, the core group of guys here uh, and the things that we do on a daily basis, that's legitimately us. When you see us in the videos doing goofy stuff, whether the camera's rolling or not, that's just that's just us being buddies having fun um and so yeah you know our marketing here at diesel sellers has always been about real life um raw organic content uh we never try to do like really high polished high production videos and stuff like that simply because that's not our demographic our our fans and our friends and the viewers don't necessarily care to see a high-end produced video they want to see what hey? If I pull my phone out of my pocket quick enough, and I'm am I going to be able to get it when I strap the Roman candle to my mechanic's back and watch him run for his life? Like that's the kind <laughs> of stuff that they want to see.
0: I love it. I love it. Cool, man. Well, let's dive into some of the trucks because, uh, like I said, that's obviously been a, a big flagship for you guys is is building these massive, unique, iconic trucks and then literally just giving them away. Uh, the contest and and I think the winner videos are some of my favorite stuff that I've seen you guys produce. Uh, I was just watching one from, uh, oh, I think it was Mega Ram Runner, like one of the original ones there. And the guy's just freaking out when he realized that he's on the phone with Diesel Dave and uh, the muscle. I, it just he, he lost his mind before you could even tell him he won, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, can you imagine that being your job, just calling people all the time, telling them that they just won their dream truck or a stack of cash? <laughs> I have the
2: best
1: job. <laughs>
2: it's, it's like a Santa Claus. I'm just a glorified Santa Claus bringing presents to everyone. <laughs> Big diesel presents
1: yeah it's pretty cool you know the ability to give the trucks away but i will be very honest with you it's it's also kind of got its ups and its downs because there's grateful winners and there's ungrateful winners and you know i would never identify who's who but it's just you know we've had people where you give them a brand new truck you film with them you shake their hand, and they get a mile down the road, and they send you an angry text because the truck was at three-quarters tank and not full tank. Um, <laughs> and, but then but then there's also the people who are extremely grateful, and, you know, we changed their life. And I think one of our, our very—in fact, he was our very first winner. He's still one of my favorites. His name's Ashton Barton from Sedalia, Missouri. And when he won, he was 18 at the time. And he won our very first built diesel ever back in August of 2013. And just a cool kid, young, uh, didn't come from much. He was super grateful. He flew out and picked up his truck and drove home, and I think he still has it. I know he had it for sale maybe a month or two ago, but he's had it for about oh, five years now. That's and he awesome. kept it, and he cherished it, and it was like he didn't change anything on it. It was his baby. That, that, those are the experiences that we love. Um, and so it makes the negative stuff worth going through because we're able to see moments like that where you know an 18-year-old kid that came from nothing was able to get something that he never would have dreamed possible.
0: Yeah, I, I guess that leads me into my next question on, like, the contest itself. Uh, how, how are the winners picked for the contest? Is it, is it just a straight drawing? Is it, uh, like, how do you decipher who, so, who gets it?
1: From, di- after, from day one, we knew that, um, you know, social media, <laughs> bless its heart, it gives you instant feedback on what you're doing right and what you're doing wrong. <laughs> and so when we put the first giveaway up, instantly we saw thousands of comments from people saying, oh, well, this is rigged. You're going to pick your friend. You're going to pick this guy, that guy. So what we did is we partnered, um, I don't even want to say we partnered, we just hired a sweepstakes agency um, that's a law firm out of California. And they aren't related to us, we aren't related to them. They basically just manage and monitor the sweepstakes. And then once we have all the entries, uh, both the mail-in entries and the online purchases, we submit just a big data file over to them. They then put it in a big digital, you know, uh, raffle machine basically, and it spits out a name. So we have no idea how that process works. We have no involvement in that process. All we know is that you know after a week or two of counting names, they give us a winner, and uh, we then call the winner and verify that they're eligible through the eligibility requirements that are required with sweepstakes. You, I mean, it's crazy how much red tape is really involved when you give stuff away um, because <laughs> you don't, you can't be a lottery, and you can't be gambling. So. Uh, You can't be a raffle because that's a charity. You know um, that's all regulated by charity laws and stuff like that. So, running a sweepstakes is it's not as easy as just hey, I want to give away a truck. Here it is. Um, It's a very complex process. So we make sure that it's fair all the way around, and um, you know those results are basically on file for years. Uh, If anybody ever came in and said hey, how did I win? And they could go back and look and, and see that it was fair.
0: Okay, that's really cool, man. That's some good background on it. Uh, who, who's involved in specking out the builds? Like when, when I was going through and I was looking at some of them, like the Kodiak Monster, anybody who's been listening to our show for a long time knows that I, I used to drive a Kodiak daily. I have a special place in my heart for them. It's by far my favorite build that you guys have done. Who, who sits yeah. down and, and is like leading the charge on what do we do and what don't we do to this truck?
1: You and I are cut from the same cloth on that one, man, because <laughs> Kodiak have a special place in my heart. Uh, they have for a long time. I've been fascinated with them. And ever since I was able to afford one back, my first one four or five years ago, um, and I did, wasn't necessarily able to afford it. I just bought it as a dealership item, which is pretty much how all of our trucks are. Brought it in, fixed it, um, you know, built it up, and sold it. Uh, since then, I've probably owned a hundred Kodiaks, and I probably have five or six of them kicking around out back right now. I just I love that that truck. It is there will never be another truck like it. It's just it's it's the big brother to all pickup trucks, and it is. It is going to, you know, maintain that status forever. Even with the new medium duties coming out, oh, they, they're not the same.
0: No, no, they'll they'll um, never be the same. They'll never give them that that same shape and and that same setup.
1: Right. Yeah. So it's it's cool. We love the Kodiaks, and uh, you know, we've done a lot of work with them. We've we've done everything from service trucks to you know big lifted modified crew cab pickups, and then obviously the big black Kodiak that we built on military axles. We built a couple of those actually, and they've worked out really well. But when it comes uh, When it comes down to actually putting builds together, um, that's kind of my department. That's something that I focus on a lot. Uh, I spend a lot of time thinking about what the next build is going to be. Obviously, we have a couple of different channels that builds come through. Uh, One of those would be if a client comes to us and says, hey, build my truck. Um, I want this, that, and the other thing. That is surprisingly a very small portion of our business simply because building trucks for clients is a very tricky business. Um, It's really, you know, when you start doing that, you're in the business of managing expectations and you're not so much building trucks because in my head, I could build the perfect truck for a client and he could pick it up and say, this is not what I expected. It's not perfect. It's whatever it is. So it's a hard business that we don't love. Um, The other, obviously, channel of building trucks is giveaway trucks. So anytime we have an upcoming giveaway, you know, I'll get together with my guys sometimes on them. Sometimes I'll already have an idea um, kind of in the pipeline. And it's usually the way it's worked out over the last couple of years is as I build myself a daily driver, something that I'm interested in, you know, when new trucks come out, I want to get my hands on them and build it up and drive it around. Uh, the way it's, you know, worked out is that truck is the one that usually winds up being given away because I post it online and I'm giving real <laughs> authentic feedback on what I think about it and how I like it. And I get excited about it. And then our, our fans, customers, and people entering the giveaways get excited about it as well. And then the third channel for building trucks is obviously kind of like – it's almost like building a spec home. You know, if you if you go out and you're a builder and you don't have a customer for a home yet, you build it anyways, you put it on the market. Kind of the same thing with these trucks, but we go so bizarre off the wall <laughs> um, and then just hope that we're going to find a client. And that's, that's been the fun side of the business because we're able to just really, like – you know, build a somersault truck and build a six by six, six door Ford and build the mega Ram runner. That kind of stuff is like, we don't know where it's going to end up or what it's going to do for our business. Well, we know it's going to do for our business. We know it's going to get a lot of attention and it's going to bring a lot of people to our website, but we never go into those thinking, okay, this is the client for this project or, or we're building it for this guy or that guy. We build it how we want. Once we feel like it's cool, kind of like the Kodiak was, the Kodiak was one of those builds. It was supposed to be, you know, one that we were going to probably put on the market and sell, but we ended up having a hole in our giveaway schedule. It worked out to be a giveaway truck. So, um, you know, that kind of explains where the ideas come from and how it works. But like I said, customer input is, is tricky. It's very difficult to manage those expectations and build somebody their dream truck, especially on limited budgets when most people have those
0: yeah yeah and you guys have come up with some really unique setups uh the 6x6 six six is is clearly one of my favorites that stand out uh, and you guys seem to have some running themes You like to make the trucks bigger uh like to make them taller but big fans of military axles and, and i do as i go through the forums I, I hear mixed feedback on the military axles on the trucks what what is your appeal to going to the bigger axles and you know more doors. Uh, the military
1: axles in 2015-2016 I don't, I don't know if there was any builds that we did that didn't have military axles. It seems like everything had a military <laughs> component in it because it, that's what we were excited about at the time. That's something that we were learning about. And, and once we realized how well that stuff works, I mean, we built the Mega Ram Runner for SEMA 2014. And then the following Easter, we took it down to Moab and beat the crap out of it. And those military axles just went. They just kept going and going and going. And we thought, all right, well, we must be on to something. That's what kind of triggered the next few years of, of building with that stuff. Um, I'm not saying that we don't use military axle anymore, because we definitely do, uh, but when it comes to a street-worthy truck and a truck that we have to, you know, use, everything we build is purpose-built. Everything we build has to work. Um, that's why, you know, even our big 6x6, six six, uh, the Super 6, they had a gooseneck hitch that was actually functional, and the deck of that truck was like, well, five feet off the ground. No, more than that. It was, it was way up there, yeah. but it still has to work. The truck still has to do a job and it still has to do it better than a stock truck and it still has to do it better than most of the other trucks on the road, which is, you know, once you start building show trucks that are monster trucks that are actually work trucks, it's a wild, wild place to be, but that's where we thrive.
0: Yeah, man, absolutely, awesome. Well, I know we're closing up on our time limits here, so I wanna dive into the new season because I saw a couple of things here that I'm really excited about. First of all, when does it premiere?
2: Premieres tonight. You got uh, it. At ten p.m. Eastern on Discovery.
0: Love it. I am excited to see it. Um, I, I know this is this is your fourth season now, so kicking off here. Uh, this is the uh, part of the I'm sorry, part of the Motor Monday lineup on Discovery Channel. Um, so first off, you guys are kicking off with a client uh, building a, a bus.
2: Yeah, we take a an old school bus, one that I actually used to live in. And uh, a guy needs to get a whole bunch of people out to a private island in the middle of the Great Salt Lake. And our solution becomes this school bus that we turn into a monster school bus to be able to shuttle these people to and from. And and as you'll see on the show, it can go anywhere and do anything.
0: So, I'm sorry, we're going to have to to back up just a little bit to digest that. You said the bus you used to live in as though that was normal and breezed right past it. Do you care to elaborate?
2: Well, I mean, I used to... I think saying a vagabond is probably putting it fairly lightly. (laughs) When my friend Heavy D found me, he set up a nice trailer out front of the shop that I used to sleep on and shower with the garden hose out front of his his shop. And eventually he found it in his heart to move me into his house with his family. And every once in a while I took some stints in the bus because we had
1: a bus out there. And it's not like Diesel Dave was homeless. He was just a free spirit like He just—he could have gone and stayed at his parents' house or whatever. He comes from a good family. Mm-hmm. It was a choice. He just has a tendency to fall asleep in weird places and then stay there long term. <laughs> Actually, was never hired. I just fell asleep in front of the shop and started working.
0: Oh, oh okay. We'll we'll pretend like that's a totally normal conversation. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> no, that, <laughs> that that's awesome, man. I, I lo- <laughs> love that story. Okay. So, and then the second part of that was he needs to transport a large group of people onto an island of the Great Salt Lake. He doesn't know about boats, he, he needs, so this vehicle's going to be an amphibious bus, is that right?
1: Not necessarily amphibious, but could be. Uh, there's a unique, Salt Lake, uh, the Great Salt Lake is a very unique, um, it's, a, it's a very unique lake. It's got three islands um one of the well at any given time any three of those islands could potentially be um accessible by a sandbar or by uh land because the lake has been so low over the last few years so um the island that they needed to access is called Fremont Island um which as you see on the show tonight um is something that is you know we're we're a big part of it's a 3,000-acre island that has a sandbar that's about seven miles long that uh, you can drive out there most times. Uh, you know, under heavy rain years and lots of water, you can't necessarily get out there because the water is two, three, four feet deep. But we built a bus on big floater tires that has the ability, um, in the event that if it were to sink or, you know, start getting stuck in some mud or water, it can make it through that stuff no problem. And the most important part was leaving a very, very, very low impact. The ground pressure of the bus. Um, even though it's a 28,000-pound vehicle, uh, the ground pressure per square inch is less than you and I standing. Um, it, it makes less of an impact than the human footprint, which was what the client needed and what the state requested. And so, you know, it was a very, like, uh, eco-friendly task, uh, which ended up being a very big task. You know, <laughs> when you're moving that much equipment and that much power across a delicate lake bed that could any second, you know, the crust could break and you could wind up buried in sand and mud and salt. It was a it was a hell of a job.
0: Yeah, no kidding. I mean, what what type of power levels do you have to take a, a an engine to, to to make that work? Uh
1: the beauty of the bus is it has the you know just the, the nice rugged old 83 Cummins. Um those rear engine uh school buses with the 83 Cummins are great uh you know, powerhouses. They push the bus through a uh, five-speed Allison. Um, it's an Allison 3000, basically a bus or motorhome uh, transmission, and they just go, go, go forever. So, you know, we're probably, we were able to do a bigger uh, turbo on it while keeping everything in mission compliant. So we ended up probably in the 450 horsepower range, but runs really cool, um, has a lot of uh, throttle response, and the gearing on this bus is ridiculous. You know, it goes from the transmission, through a transfer case, which drops at four to one, and then it goes through our axles, which drop at seven to one. Um, so, you know, our final gear reduction is really, really low, which obviously is a benefit for the engine and moving 28,000 pounds over 66 inch tires. Yeah. But if, honestly, you guys will see it. You probably won't see the finished product tonight because I think it rolls over to the following episode next week, but it is one of the most enjoyable vehicles I've ever driven because it's literally like driving your living room. off-road. It's just smooth and pillowy and floats around, and it is the most fun I've ever had. (laughs)
0: That's so cool. Um, I I, I am legitimately excited to see this one. This is uh, obviously 8.3, something we're into. Um, Don't know if you guys follow our UCC build that they're still working on for the third year, but uh, yeah, man, we we dig (laughs) them. I'm into it.
1: Awesome. You guys are using the 8.3 in that build? Uh,
0: Chris, give us a rundown on it. Your mic's live. Okay, so, so yeah, so so we had initially used um, an 8.3, and then I believe we swapped over to an 8.9, and then we went to deck that out. Uh, didn't work uh, three days before UCC last year. We put a rod through the block, and then uh, it's been getting rebuilt ever since. So they're actually in the final stages. Okay. I think we're going to see it sled pull this year. But
1: That's really cool. I love seeing guys use bigger displacement engines in the UCC stuff. That's uh, one thing that I've actually, if I ever get the time to do it, i will re-enter the ucc um with a detroit uh 8b92 oh i love it so that's that's just a cool engine so very cool guys
0: yeah man thank you thank you
1: um i did want to hit
0: just just two more things on on this upcoming season uh for the first i believe for the first time the muscle brings in his own client uh with a raptor style f250 where where are you guys going with that one I, i don't have any notes or any i haven't seen any previews on that
1: yeah, that, that one's a, a funny build because the customer, it was kind of a project that uh, he was way over his head on, and he brought it in and realized that he wasn't able to finish it, so he was a weightlifting buddy of the Muscle that he works out with, and the Muscle brought it in, and the Muscle has a tendency to kind of, you know, build vehicles similar. He's got a, a very uh, similar taste on most of his trucks, and this build did not need to go the direction the Muscle wanted to take it, so you'll see a little bit kind of head in the episode between him and I as as I pretty much fire him from the build and move kind of move him out of it and and take over a little bit because you know an F-250 Raptor does not need 26s on it it needs bead locks and it needs some some meaty tires which is the direction we ended up going with it but it is the coolest truck and and it's a conversion that was available you know a few guys have done them the, the the Raptor style conversion but this thing turned out amazing client was super stoked and uh it's one of my favorite trucks we've ever built because it's just so larger than life, and it almost looks like a cartoon when you're when you're up close looking at it. Oh,
0: really? I'm stoked, man. I, I'm I'm not a Ford fan, but I am excited to see that one. I do like that that Raptor look. So, putting that into uh, to something something fresh, I think, will be really cool. Uh, all right, the, the last one I wanted to really hit you guys on here is the one that I think grabbed my attention the most. Uh, the one that that I think really spoke to me was. Uh, reaching out to the guys through that Facebook or through the YouTube video. Uh, we had the video go viral uh, in northern Utah where people were, were really harassed uh, by some residents there. And Heavy D, can you, can you tell us a little bit about the, the backstory on this and then where you guys go with it?
1: Yeah. Um, so the backstory on that is I was watching, I was just scrolling through Facebook one night and I think it was a couple days after this had happened and one of the local news outlets here um, shared it and then one of my friends on Facebook shared it, and I, you know, it's 10 minutes long, and I thought, God, why am I going to watch this video? But something something stood out to me, you know, the first little clip, and I said, all right, I'm going to watch this. And I watched it, and it was probably midnight by the time I was done watching it, and I was so fired up. Like, I couldn't sleep. I wanted to get up night and make a video response to it right then and there, um, and I didn't. I waited till the next day, and I thought, maybe I'll calm down. Maybe I'll kind of get a little bit more level-headed about it. And the next day, I was still pretty pissed off um, because... One thing that's really important to me is I've got a really strong, all of us here have a really strong relationship with um, the Hispanic people. Uh, You know, some of our first employees, some of our first mechanics, that honestly, without them, we would have never had any success. You know, they're Mexican guys from Mexico City, and they just, you know, they work their asses off to get us uh, to where we're at and to help build our business, and they're still with me today. And when I see people treat them poorly, it's really, really like man, it's, it's tough for me to swallow. So I got a, a hint of a little bit, you know, maybe it was racism, maybe it wasn't in the video, but it just it felt like if that family was maybe white or a different, different situation, they wouldn't have been treated like that. So that's really what kind of triggered me. So my goal was to reach out to the family and say, hey, look, I know you've been through a really bad situation. Let us just help find some good in this. Like that's difficult because obviously, you know, it's a traumatizing moment. Um, and, you know, I'm a dad. I've got three kids. And I picture myself up there being pretty much held hostage by these idiots that are insulting me and my family. And they've got guns on them. And my little kid, you know, I pictured him crying, thinking he's going to get shot. And I, You know, I'm going through all these emotions that Jose Caballero must have been going through. And I just thought, God, this guy, this guy, whether he wants help or not, he's getting it from us because we've got to find a way to, to turn this around. And, you know, luckily... Jose Caballero, Um, we were able to get a hold of him within, you know, a couple of hours of putting that video up. And he turned out to be a fan of the show. You know, him and his family love the show. The show's actually really, really big in Latin America. In fact, it's one of the top shows uh, on Discovery in Mexico. Um, Latinos love it because I think they feel, uh, you know, a connection with it and with us. And, you know, we speak Spanish on it. We got Mexican guys here that work with us. And so they were a fan of the show. They loved it. And they had said no to previous people who'd reached out through the day offering to help because they didn't want to make it a big deal. But when I reached out and talked to him, I said, look, Jose, I just I, I want to help you. Please let me do this. And he said, you know what? I, I love the show. Let's do something. So I went up and met with him the following Monday and um, we just picked his truck up. You know, We, we grabbed his truck, brought it back to the shop and said, do you have any requests? And he said, like i know what you guys do do what you do best just take it and do your thing and so we actually had the truck for probably close to a month and i left him with my pickup at that time to help him drive it um you know to have something to drive and gal his truck turned out awesome and as we started to build more and more companies from all over the world started reaching out saying hey we want a part of this i mean that video if you look at some of the analytics on my youtube or my um my facebook and my instagram You know, you're talking the impressions and the reach. It reached like 100 million people in a couple of days. Like This really struck a nerve with a lot of people. And, you know, a ton of people got on board to make the situation less traumatizing for the Caballero family. So when we got it back to him, we were able to give him a new truck. Uh, We did a full 2016 front conversion on it. So his 06, uh, best part was when we pulled it up to him to reveal it to him, he, he... he was like, that's not my truck. And you can see him, like, legitimately confused on camera. And he's looking around, and he's like, guys, it's not my truck. We're like, no, dude, it's your truck. So he, we roll up, and we get close enough to, him to see it. He dives under it, like, dives under it, in the dirt, rolling around. And I'm seeing him, like, look at different bits and pieces. And then you see it click, like, he's like, this is my truck. And he comes out, and he's so baffled and confused as to how his 06 looks like a brand-new truck. <laughs> um, and that was just kind of like sensory overload for him. And then, obviously, we had a uh, brand-new camp trailer and a Polaris general hidden up in the trees that he didn't know about. So once he, you know, the emotions and the excitement of the truck finally started to, like, settle down a little bit and get his heart rate down, bam, we hit him with that stuff. And, dude, it was, like, honestly the coolest experience that we could have ever been involved in. And it couldn't have happened to a better family and a more deserving person, you know. The way i look at it is jose kept saying i don't deserve this this is too much i don't deserve this this is this is too much for me and my family and you know a guy that says that he deserves it and that's that's kind of what we what we found from this whole thing is our goal of making something you know happy out of something so terrible it was lofty and it was probably a little bit bold but man it, it it paid off and it worked out and everybody involved was like super touched by it his family our family the whole crew here in our shop the producers the show and millions of people across the world like it just it ended up being something really positive
0: that's awesome man i i really can't say enough good or how much respect i have for you guys for getting involved and, and spearheading something like that Um, I'm sure it means the world to him, but I think it means a lot to, to a lot of us and in the diesel community, uh, especially to see that, you know, like you said, not everybody's like this, right? Like there is a lot of good out there and it's awesome to see somebody in a position where they can go do good to actually go and do it, man. So hats off to you guys for sure.
1: Thank you. You know, we got a lot of, we, we understand that we have a lot of people watching us. We have, uh, especially the younger generation, you know, 12, 13, 14 year old kids. Our show is huge. Uh, in that demographic with families, with kids. And so parents sit down and watch the show with their kids. And so we feel an obligation. It's kind of a duty that we have to use that platform to help them understand what's acceptable, what's not acceptable, and how to be a good human. And obviously, you know, we are not, we can't do your parenting for you, and we would never try. <laughs> but uh, being high-profile people um, in certain demographics that some people look up to we want to use that for good, not for anything else. So. Well,
0: that's awesome, man.
1: Guys, uh, anybody you
0: guys want to give a shout-out to before we wrap up the show?
1: Oh, man, that is a long, long <laughs> list. Uh, you know, our, our producers are awesome. They are very patient people. Uh, the whole team here that puts together our show, like, man, you couldn't have a more oil and water combination. Like, these two worlds should never blend together, but uh, they do. They work out really well. Um, Obviously, we've got a bunch of amazing sponsors. We try to give them as much love on the show as possible. Everybody from, you know, um, injector and turbo companies to wheels and tires and suspension, we've worked with pretty much everyone in the industry, and, and we love them all. I think one thing that... Diesel enthusiasts, uh, especially diesel motorsport uh, fans, are going to love. Is later on in the season, it gets into uh, my debut run of the Braid, uh, the Brodozer in Nashville, and how you know a Monster Jam truck with a diesel engine, uh, you know, almost won the entire show, and it was super competitive. And it's kind of the beginning of a new realm uh of diesel motorsports on a much much larger stage than sled pulling and drag racing you know you're talking millions of people watching monster jam shows and and uh that's part of this new season that shows the struggles that we had and then obviously you know the success we ended up having in nashville and you know upcoming shows as well
0: that's awesome man well we're excited for it uh listeners this has been paul wilson and off mic is chris emke thank you so much for listening
1: The Diesel Performance Podcast is brought to you by Calibrated Power Solutions, home of DuramaxTuner.com. Calibrated Power develops emissions-equipped calibrations for a wide variety of diesel powertrains, including Duramax, Cummins, Powerstroke, John Deere, Case, New Holland, and many more. For more information and the best customer service in the industry, check out CalibratedPower.com or call 815-568-7920. That's 815-568-7920. If you'd like to contact the podcast, send us a message through Facebook or email paul at duramaxtuner.com or chris at cehmke at duramaxtuner.com. Hey, thanks for listening. Your feedback is appreciated. Please rate and review us on iTunes, subscribe on YouTube, like us on Facebook, and by all means, let us know if you have any ideas for a podcast. We'd love to hear from you.
0: Uh, You might recognize their show. It kicked off on Discovery Channel back in January of 2016. In just three short seasons, they've already produced 28 shows. We have Heavy D and Diesel Dave on the line. How the hell are you guys?
1: What's going on, man? That's a a hell of a way to start it off. I like that. That's the best podcast I've ever had. (laughs) How are you?